your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Thursday's edition of Locked On Raiders Podcast, August 26, 2021. Your boy Q here. As always, you know you can find me on Twitter or on the Locked On Raider Podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Today's episode is being brought to you by rockauto.com. Great selection, super low prices. All the parts your car is ever going to need is at rockauto.com. Make sure you let them know that the Locked On Raiders Podcast sent you. Coming up on today's show... Segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. And, man, got a lot of feedback over the last couple days. So uh, got a lot of calls, got a lot of texts that I want to get to. Of course, I won't be able to get to all of them, but I will try to knock out as many as possible. So that's coming up in segment number three. Segment number two, going to talk about the injuries that the Raiders are occurring. Uh, They have at the linebacker position some of the moves that I feel like the Raiders should make, some of the players that are out there that the Raiders could go out there and address, and One of the conversations that we've had here on the podcast before, is this team close enough to go out and make a big move? Big move that can get them over the top. Are they? Do you feel they are? Well, we'll talk about that coming up in segment number two. Here in segment number one, news and notes of the day. And please believe we got a lot to get to, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. Normally, I like to go ahead and give you the news and notes kind of in the order of operations, like how they're rolled out. But uh, we got to start with really the biggest news of the day. The Raiders make a move for Denzel Perryman, the linebacker from the Panthers. The Panthers are giving him a two-year, $6 million deal in free agency this offseason. And, well, he's been a guy that's been banged up. He had a hip flexor that he was dealing with. Then he also had a foot that was stepped on, and so it missed. he missed time in training camp. And Matt Rule's already said that uh, he wasn't going to be the starter anyway. I mean, they have found a young guy that they really liked, and so Perriman really wasn't fitting in with the Panthers. And so the Raiders, who are dealing with injuries at the linebacking position, went out and made the move and picked up linebacker Denzel Perriman. He's a guy who has worked with Gus Bradley for six years while he was part of the Chargers organization. Uh, according to the Panthers, the Raiders received Perriman and a 2022 seventh round pick, and the Raiders gave up a 2022 sixth round pick. So the value was there. To get Perriman and a seventh round pick for uh, just a sixth round pick in 2022 is not bad at all. Vinny Bonsignor, who does In the Huddle on Raider Nation Radio 920, also from the Las Vegas Review Journal, put out the tweet saying that uh, Perriman's only going to cost the Raiders 990000 this year. If they move on from him at the end of the season, there will be no financial ramifications. Keeping him next year will cost the Raiders. $3 million. Again, that's from Vinny Bonsignor on Twitter. And also, the trade is not complete until he passes a physical because he has been banged up. He definitely has to pass a physical. So 28 years old, if he's healthy, could be a really good pickup for the Raiders who are, are very banged up at the linebacker position. But if he's not healthy and one, he doesn't pass a physical, then the trade doesn't go through. And two, uh, if he's not healthy or he's not out there performing enough uh, in the next three weeks to lead up to that season opener against the Baltimore Ravens, I could see an, a, a scenario where he doesn't even make the squad. But that's just a gut feeling that I have. I just think that this team is going to go ahead and do everything they can to get up to speed and get ready to rock and roll for that season opener. That's going to be a big game. The beginning first five games leading up to the bye week for the Raiders are going to be tough. So they need all their dogs. They need everyone in line. They need to be able to go out there and perform at a high level and have no excuses why they don't. So uh, that was really the big news of the day. The Raiders make a move for linebacker Denzel Perriman, who was not fitting in with the Panthers. They gave up a 2022 sixth round pick and receive Perriman and a 2022 seventh round pick 
in return. Now, uh, before any of that happened, John Gruden met with the media following practice. Derek Carr met with the media following practice. And I wanted to bring you a few sounds from what John Gruden had to say. And one of the first things he was asked was about Nicholas Morrow and Javen White, the health of those two linebackers, and what are they looking like for the timetable of their return? Uh, they're both going to be out for a while. Um, looks like Morrow will be out a little bit longer than White. So uh, that's unfortunate. But uh, We'll have to continue to develop our young linebackers and perhaps find another. So that was one of the first things John Gruden said at the media session. And I was thinking, I went into it thinking Javon White was going to probably be out for the season, if not the season, a very long time. I know they didn't put him on IR when they released that, uh, that third depth chart for the preseason game on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. That was something to notice. Well, okay, maybe he's not as injured as everyone thinks he is, uh, including myself. And then all of a sudden to hear John Gruden say Nicholas Morrow is going to be out longer than Javon White, that was a big, whoa! what the hell's going on and of course as mentioned the Raiders went out and made a move for Denzel Perryman which also lets you know that Nicholas Morrow is going to be out for some time that's unfortunate because Morrow was going to be a starter Javon White that's a good story. Javon White is a guy that's going to be depth. He was a guy that was going to come in in a pinch and look like he was having a good camp. So, hey, he can go out there and perform. But Nicholas Morrow, who is also a good story, was really going to be a guy that, that the Raiders leaned on defensively. And now it comes to light that he's going to miss more time than Javon White, which did not think that that was going to be the scenario and what we were going to be talking about with John Gruden. And it's funny, as I was on my way to practice on Wednesday, I uh, had a tweet from a, a guy who listens to the show, a guy who's uh, very involved in Raider is always busy on Twitter as well, uh, asking me, hey, is Gruden going to talk? And I said, yeah, he's going to talk. He said, okay, are you going to ask him about putting a full court press on KJ Wright? You know, are they going to go do that? And it was almost like he challenged me, and I, and I responded, and I said, I'm not going to say it like that. You know, I'm going to be a lot more respectful than that. I'll ask him if he needs to go outside the building, if he feels like they need to go outside the building. Well, he answered that with his first question, so I never had to, or his first response, so I never had to say that or ask that. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor really had started things off and started asking about Morrow and White off top, but you see ultimately the Raiders do go outside of their building and go and get a player so clearly they knew that they needed some more talent at that linebacking position than what they have currently on the roster and you know they might still be in a, in a need for some more talent Perriman might not be all that they're going to do there's there could be some more moving and shaking before it's all said and done now uh, one uh, other question he was asked was about just training camp for the rookies what has he seen so far and has he been pretty pleased well, it's, it's our, all of our young players, last year's class and this year's class kind of combined. But, you know, Alex is doing, doing okay. I'm not going to be his agent up here every week. The film's out there. You know, you can evaluate it yourself. We like him. Um, you know, we think Mary's going to be fine. He's doing a good job. He's asserting himself. Um, got a lot to prove, obviously, both those guys. And as far as the rest of the class, we think Gillespie's coming on as, as a safety in this defense. Uh, we think Nate Hobbs has proven that he's got a chance to help our football team. Um, Diablo's just getting a chance to showcase what he can do. And we think Malcolm is, is a guy that's going to be a part of our rotation at some point. He's got some ability. But we're anxious to see Arnett. Um, Really anxious to see a second-year class as well. So there you go right there. John Gruden talking about the last two years' classes, basically kind of lumping them all in together as rookies. And you hear uh, he mentioned we're, we're eager to see Damon Arnett. That's one of the things that's hurting Arnett is you're not getting to see him very much. He was out at practice on Wednesday. He was out there performing, but uh, you don't get to see him. And he didn't play in the game against the Rams, the preseason game, because he was banged up. And that's almost the story of his career so far, just availability. Again, not being available. You also heard him mention Divine Diablo and... 
and that they uh, feel or he feels that he could be a player. So he was asked about Devon Diablo specifically. Hey, you know, what makes you feel like he could really thrive in this system? I think he's got athleticism and range. He has playing speed. Uh, he showed very good instinct, instincts at Virginia Tech at a couple different positions. So that combination is, is exciting. We think he and Corey Littleton uh, will give us two really athletic young linebackers and uh, we're hoping he can be a fast track. You know, he's going to have to learn quickly on the run because uh, they're not postponing any of our games or delaying the, the startups. So there's John Gruden on Divine Diablo, uh, just his expectations from uh, at least why he thinks that he could thrive in this Raiders defense. And the thing about it, he hit it right on the head. He's going to have to learn quick, fast, and in a hurry. He missed a lot of time in training camp, so he's got to get up to speed. Oh, by the way, he's playing a position he's never played, moving from safety to a linebacker. So uh, he's got a lot of work cut out for him. And so that was one of the things I was talking about on the radio on Wednesday was, you you know, you've got to go outside the building and make a move. You can't just depend on a guy that you say, hey, he's really athletic. He's got range. Uh, we think he could be a player and has never done it. You've got to go into this season. You've got to go in there with your guns blazing. You've got to have all your bullets in the chamber. You can't really just hope and, and dream on a guy who's going to all of a sudden make a position switch and be a stud. That's one of those moves that you go and you put them out there in a pinch. You have them go do special teams. You have them learn uh, in, in practice and kind of bring them along slowly. And you hope at some point he's able to, you know, really fill that void. But you can't just go ahead and trot him out there against the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson and think that he's going to be able to thrive. I mean, that's just like that's almost as bad as putting Obi Melanfamu out on the corner against the New England Patriots in Mexico. <laughs> you know, that didn't work out very well. You cannot do that. So that's why they went out and made the move for Denzel Perriman. And again, I still think that they could have another move or two along the way. Of course, cutdowns are coming next week at, uh, you know, Tuesday, 1 o'clock. Got to have that roster down to 53 men. I wanted you to hear the soundbite on John Gruden talking about Amik Robertson. He's a guy that I've been asked about multiple times if I think he's going to make the squad. And I've said that he looks a lot better, especially in that game against the Rams. I felt like he really looked a lot better, but he's playing on the outside. And you'll hear John Gruden talk about that. They tried to slide him inside to the nickel position, but he's an outside guy. He's an outside corner. And obviously, that's the position that they're going to play him at moving forward. Here's John Gruden talking about Amig Robertson. He's, uh, he's a guy last year we tried to make a nickel corner, and that's a hard position in this league, as you know, with all the jet sweeps. If that jet sweep starts on the right and jets to the left, there's a good chance you got to bump into the box and be a linebacker. And I think Amik looked at that a little bit, you know, differently when Incognito was blocking him in the box. Uh, but now as an outside corner, you see what he is. You see the, the skill set that he has. He's played better. He's got more confidence. Not that he can't be a nickel because he has worked in there, but he's um, clearly at home on the outside. I think he's got a role on this team. I really do. I think Amik Robertson has showed everyone that he belongs on the outside, not on the inside. They tried to move him. Now he's back where he's comfortable. Not saying he's going to be a starter, but he could definitely be some depth. You know, and now all of a sudden you're looking at the secondary and you're saying, okay, you got Casey Hayward. You're hoping that he returns to form, not what he did in 2020, but before that, you're hoping he's that guy. Trayvon Mullen, you're hoping he takes that next step. Uh, Nate Hobbs, you feel pretty good about what he can do. Obviously, he's a rookie, so there's going to be some growing pains. All of a sudden, Meek Robertson has a, a year under his belt and now back to another position that he's more comfortable at. You're starting to feel like at least the corners 
are, are probably a little bit better. You know, Damon Arnett, obviously, he's got to show up at some point, but you kind of feel like you have a little bit of depth at that position. Now, the safety, in my opinion, is still a question, but uh, you feel pretty good about Jonathan Abram, and you feel pretty good about Trayvon Merrick, but what do you have after that? Uh, you're going to have to have a guy step up, probably a rookie step up, if any of those guys happen to go down. And my final soundbite for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day has to do with the late, great Cliff Branch. Of course, it was announced on on Tuesday that uh, he's a senior finalist for the Hall. Uh, looks like he's that one step closer. I'll have John McClain from the Houston Chronicle on my show today on Raider Nation Radio 920. He'll basically let me know that it just needs to be rubber stamped and then uh, Cliff Branch will be forever immortalized into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But John Gruden was asked about Cliff in the media session and uh, this is what he had to say about him. Well, you know, Cliff was uh, you know, I'm glad you bring his name up. We sure miss him. God bless his family. He's, he was one of the, the brightest Raiders, brightest personalities I've ever met. But um, he was a threat. You know, I don't think Al Davis, I can't speak for John Madden or Flores or any of the guys that coached him, but um, I don't think you can measure his impact in catches and pro football-focused statistics. He was a threat to go all the way all the time. And if you didn't account for him, they were going to, put a bomb on his uh, on you. <laughs> they were going to throw it. And if you did account for him, it was better for Casper. It was better for Mervin. It was better for everybody else. Fred will tell you that. So um, I think, you know, the fact that he was a great guy, a world champion, and a difference maker as a down-the-field receiver, it'd be great to see him get in the Hall of Fame. So there's head coach John Gruden talking about the late, great Cliff Branch, who I do believe is uh, one rubber stamp away from being in Canton, Ohio. Very excited about that. So happy that he's going to get that opportunity. Unfortunately, he's not going to be uh, there to, you know, smell the roses. Obviously passed away already. But man, uh, just to know that his family will at least be able to go and accept that for him is going to be great. So I cannot wait to talk to John McClain and get that confirmed 100%. But I do believe that is the case. So that's all I got for you for today's Lockdown Raiders podcast, at least for segment number one of today's Lockdown Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two, going to talk about the injuries, going to talk about what the Raiders are doing to address it. And should the Raiders, do they feel like they're close enough to go out and make a big move for one big-time player to help get them over the hump? Are they that close? Well, we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about it in segment number two on today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to talk about the injuries that are piling up for the Raiders, what they've done so far, and what they could possibly do before the season opener on September 13 against the Baltimore Ravens. And the funny thing about it is, and I believe it was Raider 27, he actually called in on my show on Wednesday on Raider Nation Radio 920 and had mentioned the fact that, you know, he uh, listens to the show quite a bit and there's been a lot of big-time name players that have come through and been available. And I've said, go out and make the move for him. Go out and make the move for him. I know Unique Ngakwe, while he was in Jacksonville, I said, go make the move for him. Jamal Adams, while he was still in New York, I said, go make the move for him. Didn't go do that. You know, there's a couple other players that I said, hey, those would be good additions you know talked about Julio Jones before the season started thought that that could potentially be a really good addition as well wide receiver number one so he said that a lot of times he doesn't agree with that because he doesn't feel like the team is close enough anyway to go make a splash play and I remember specifically when I was talking about Jamal Adams everyone said well you're not one Jamal Adams away the defense isn't good enough even with Jamal Adams that's not going to help put the defense over the top and probably you guys were all right. Probably everyone who said that was right because the defense was still ran by Paul Gunther and it wasn't looking good. 
Now, now that the Raiders have Gus Bradley and the defense seems like it's a lot better and they got a lot of talent, a lot of young talent, but they have a lot of talent, in my opinion, on the team. And they've gone out and made the move for Unique Ngakwe. They've gone and drafted Trayvon Merrick in round two. They got Nate Hobbs in round five, which looks like it could be a steal. Of course, Devon Diablo, Malcolm Kuntz, you know, amongst others. <laughs> you know, those are guys out there that, that look like they could be making some plays. So from where I'm standing, the defense looks pretty good. And all of a sudden, here comes the injury bug. Here comes Nicholas Morrow, who was expected to be a starter. He's going to be out longer than Javen White, who Javen White went down on Saturday. Looked like he was going to go down with like a torn ACL or something and miss the whole season. All of a sudden, Gruden says that White's going to be back before Morrow. So my red flags go off like, oh, no. So what do the Raiders need to do? Uh, they had K.J. Wright come in and visit with the Raiders before. Uh, he left without a deal. I thought that that was a mistake when, when they let him out of the building. It's something I talked about in great length on Wednesday on the show. I just uh, On the Raider radio show, I just said, hey, man, like you need to go put that full court press back on for K.J. Wright. You need to get him in the building. Ultimately, they go out and they make a trade for Denzel Perriman, who's very familiar with Gus Bradley, played for him for six years. So is that enough? That's the basic point of this conversation. Is that enough? to make you feel, okay, now even though there's injuries, the moral and injuries is Javon White at the linebacker position, a guy like, you know, Divine Diablo doesn't have to start right away because you have Denzel Perriman. First of all, Perriman at age 28 and, and being banged up like he was during training camp with the Panthers, he's got to prove, and he's got to pass the physical, but he's got to prove that he can stay healthy. So that already concerns me. But you're looking at other guys there that are just unproven. And, and this was my point on the radio on Wednesday was, Man, do you really want to go into the season with a bunch of unproven guys that you think are going to be the part? Or do you want to go into the season with guys you know could be the part? This team, with a 17-game season, needs to win about 12 games this year, realistically. That's the realistic target number, 12 wins, which would be a four-game improvement from what they did last year. They've got to find a way to get 12 dubs. If they get 12 dubs, I love their chances to make the playoffs. If you end up, you know, if they fall a little short and get anywhere between 10 and 12, fine. Decent season, good season, but still not a playoff season. They've got to hit 12 if they have a realistic chance of making the playoffs. So does a Denzel Perriman help you do that? Does a Denzel Perriman help achieve that goal and make that defense that much better? Corey Littleton, he looks a lot better. I know he hasn't been talked about a lot, but he looks a lot better. Nick Wachowski, I like him a lot. Anyone who listened to the show last year knows that I like Nick Wachowski a lot. Problem is, he's banged up quite a bit. And guess what? He's banged up right now. He hasn't practiced since the Seattle game, the very first preseason game. He hasn't practiced. He's supposed to come back. Uh, John Gruden mentioned earlier uh, in the press conference on Wednesday, hey, uh, you know, we, we hope that we get him back next week, but that's a hope. And I mentioned in segment one, I'm not really big on the hopes. I'm not really big on dreams as far as, you know, uh, you know going into a regular season. I hope that guy's going to be good. I dream that that guy's going to be good. I'm not sure if that guy's going to be good. You don't want that. You want specifics. You want to know. So, I mentioned on the radio, I don't care about the money that K.J. Wright wants. Everyone keeps talking about, well, he wants too much money. First of all, it's not our money. It's the Raiders. And if they really want to go get him, they could get him. I don't care what the price is. If they want him, and this is something I know is a fact, Raider Nation, if a team wants a player bad enough, they can get him under contract. You can never tell me that they can't. And that even goes to the Khalil Mack situation. And I'm not trying to open that can of worms, but if they really, really desperately wanted to get him under contract, they could have. 
It's been done for years. Teams do it all the time. Now, is there is there ramifications from that? Is there issues from that? Yeah, it's just like using a credit card. If you start restructuring contracts, you start moving money around, it's like a credit card. At some point, you got to pay the, pay the bill. But like I said on the radio, hey, I'm not a big guy on spending money on credit cards because you got to pay it. I don't like to do that. But as me and the family moved and got to Las Vegas and all of a sudden had a lot of expenses, you know what we did? We had to use credit cards more than we wanted to. But we got it done. You know, and then you just have to, hey, you got to deal with it. Sometimes when you're in that position, you got to just go ahead and pull the trigger and make it happen. So my point is, I think that the Raiders need to go pull the trigger and make it happen. If it's KJ Wright or if it's someone else who could be a big time difference maker, go make it happen. I do feel like this team offensively, I feel like they're solid defensively. I feel like they're good enough where you can go get one more defensive piece, either by way of trade, go out there and spend a little bit of money in free agency and help put this team over the top. If Morrow, who's your starter is not going to be available and you don't know how long he's going to miss, or if he's going to miss a large chunk of the season, you can't afford that. You cannot afford to have him miss a large chunk of the season and then hope that a young dude that is untested, unproven, and oh, by the way, hasn't played that position before is going to step up and fill that void. Or you can't help and hope that Denzel Perriman, who the Panthers gave up on after giving $6 million on a two-year deal to, all of a sudden they gave him away for basically nothing, a cup of coffee, a 2022 six-round pick is what the Raiders were able to get Denzel Perriman for. And they got a seventh-round pick in return. So they got a player and a pick for a 2022 six-round pick. How often do Raiders really get good value on trades? That's great value right there. And they only got to pay the dude $990,000 if he makes the team. That tells you right there exactly what the Panthers thought of him. They were just trying to get him out of town. So I think with the, the, the way the injuries are starting to pile up, and I know that the cutdowns are coming uh, next week, and there's going to be a lot of guys out looking for work, I, I just I don't want to wait till then. If you wait till then, you're getting someone else's leftovers. You're getting someone else's uh, you know players that they released as well. They're being released for a reason because they're not part of the t- the best 53 that they could have had on that team. I think that this team is close enough to being able to make a real run at the playoffs. They need a guy or two that can help put them over the top. I've heard, go out and make a trade for Jalen Smith in Dallas. Go make a move for Leighton Vander Esch in Dallas. They got some extra linebackers. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm here to tell you that those two dudes are not the answer. Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, they both have two things in common. They're injury prone. Jalen Smith, unfortunately, entered the league after a horrific bowl game injury when he was at Notre Dame. He would be an absolute stud if he had never got injured. But injuries happen, as we know. Leighton Vander Esch, he came into the league with a neck roll. He came into the league with issues. You already knew that he was uh, injury waiting to happen. And oh, by the way, in Dallas, their, uh, their defensive coordinator is Dan Quinn. You know what kind of system Dan Quinn runs? The same system Gus Bradley runs. And guess what? Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch, they're not good fits for that scheme. So why would you want to go make a move for them, get them from Dallas, or get one of those guys from Dallas when they're not a good scheme, they're not a good fit for the same scheme that Gus Bradley runs? Those, that's, that's a bad idea. Those guys, you can cross those dudes off the list. But I would not begrudge the Raiders if they made a move. I, I, again, I do feel like with a 17-game season, I do feel like the Raiders have an opportunity but they've got to have the dudes. they got to have the players to go get it done. And similar to what I said on, on Wednesday's show about the, what concerns me, what did I say? Anyone who listens to the show, I said, depth concerns me. You know, I, I, I labeled the, the show on Wednesday, you know, what could slow the Raiders down from making the run they want, and hint, it's not the quarterback. And people thought, oh, it's just the defense. No, that wasn't what I was talking about. I was talking about depth. I was concerned about the linebacking core. I was worried about the safeties, and I was worried about the offensive line. I don't think any of those positions are deep enough that if an injury or two happens, they can survive. 
And now the linebacking core is right there in your face. Hey, hello, big hole here. What do you do? I think the Raiders need to go out and make a big-time move. I'm not necessarily pointing to a specific player. I, I thought K.J. Wright was a good idea. I know a lot of said that, no, it's not going to happen because of, of money, but I, I don't even think it matters. I think that you go and you make the moves that you need to move, make, and, and you bring him in. You go and put the full court press on him and say, hey, uh, we really need you. And I know you're not supposed to say that in negotiations, but this is the honest to God truth. And I think anyone with a pulse can see that the Raiders really need a KJ Wright. But if that's not the guy, fine. Go address the position and go find the guy that you feel can make that, that, that team that much better. I don't care. Honestly, I mean, you, you don't want to give up a first round pick or, or, you know, a second round pick. You don't want to give up something high. You want a middle range pick if you have to give up some draft capital. But if your team, if you feel like your team is that close to really being able to get over the top, they're just that one player away, why not go do it? I think the Raiders should do it. I think that they really have an opportunity to be a damn good team, but you can't go into it with your gun half cocked. You know what I mean? You just can't. You've got to go into it, you know, fully cocked, fully loaded, ready to blaze. You know, the Ravens coming to town September 13th, Monday Night Football. That's going to be a gunfight. Don't you dare show up with a knife. <laughs> Simple as that. It just cannot happen. You've got to go in there with guys that you fully believe. Once they hit the field, they're going to know exactly what, they're, what to do and how to get it done. Not guys that you hope or you dream of being good players after making a position switch. That's just my thoughts. We'd love to hear from you, Raider Nation, 707-654-4693. Someone get on the phone. Get on the horn. Tell Gruden. Tell Mayock. Go make a move. Get the dudes that you need to get it done. Your calls and texts coming up next for segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, 707-654-4693. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about BetOnline.ag, and it's because it is that time of year again. All eyes are on football, pro football, college football. It does not matter. It's football, it's football, and it's more football. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests at BetOnline.ag. They have the half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open right now at BetOnline.ag. Head to the website on your laptop or your mobile device. Sign up today. Receive a 100% welcome bonus. It used to be a 50% welcome bonus. Now, 100% welcome bonus. You put $500 in, you're going to get $500 on top of that to play with from BetOnline.ag, but you got to use the promo code Locked on. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Again, football, baseball, boxing, UFC, everything. They've got you covered. Take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline.ag is your online sportsbook experts. Segment number three, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Every once in a while, I throw a tweet on there as well. And uh, I got a tweet from Raul Salinas. He hit me up, at your boy Q254, and you can as well. Uh, his Twitter account is at Raider Ra-Ru. That's at Raider R-A-R-U. He said, hey, man. Raider Nation needs to calm down. With all the injuries going on, we'll be fine. Also, Carr will take us to the playoffs this year. He has no choice but to ball out like crazy. Gruden also has to be consistent and make the right calls down the red zone and stuff it down their throats. Think Gruden and Mayock are making a huge trade before week one. Eyeball emojis. Thanks, Q. Hopefully you can put this message out on 920 or the podcast. And then he gave me a thumbs up emoji. So that was from Raul Salinas at Raider Ra Ru on Twitter. And... I don't, I mean, I understand what you're saying about calm down with the injuries. Everything's going to be fine, but is it? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is it? You just expect somebody just to go and fill that void? I don't know if it's going to be just that simple. And I think Derek Carr is going to do a really good job in year four with John Gruden. I really do, especially being out of practice and seeing how they're out there operating. He looks like he has absolute control of this team, and everyone's on the same page offensively. Again, the defense is the biggest uh, elephant in the room. you got to have that improved defense. So uh, as far as the injuries go on defense, I don't think calm down is a good approach. I think that the Raiders need to do everything, as I mentioned in segment two, that they can to address that position to make sure that is as solid as possible. Thank you for that tweet, my man. I appreciate you. Next up, I got a text from Raider Martin from the 303. He said, what's up, Q? It's Raider Martin from the 303. Just want to say the difference between Carr and Stafford is Megatron. What would Carr have done with Megatron? Carr has never had a true number one in his career. Please don't say Cooper. Just say peace out. Raider Nation, I'm out. That's Raider Martin from the 303. Thank you for that text. And, yeah, I've said that multiple times, that Cooper was never number one. He was a damn good player. Don't get me wrong, especially in 2016, him and Crabtree. But Crabtree was always Derek Carr's go-to guy. Anytime that he really needed a big play, he was looking for 15 every single time. Uh, anytime that he needed a touchdown, anytime he needed a first down, he needed a big catch, it was 15. Michael Grabtree, as everybody started calling him, because uh, that's, that's, he was just that reliable. Uh, so Cooper was not that guy. Uh, yeah, Megatron would have been uh, interesting if he had been with a, a guy like Derek Carr, but, of course, that never happened. Now, Megatron almost was a Raider, could have been a Raider, but there was a guy named Jamarcus Russell that was going to be the next greatest thing, according to Al Davis, and many draft experts out there and many different uh, evaluators, talent evaluators out there. Plenty of people thought Jamarcus was going to be the truth, and, well, we all know it wasn't. But, man, could you imagine if uh, the Raiders had selected Calvin Johnson number one overall instead of Jamarcus Russell? And even if they had Josh McCown at the time, which was the quarterback with Lane Kiffin, I mean, man, Megatron still would have done work. I just I feel like that would have been crazy, and then they would have had to just go out and get a quarterback at some time, but at least they would have had that wide receiver right there. But, again, uh, that I don't want to start talking about that reminiscing because you start thinking about all the players that the Raiders could have had uh, that they didn't have uh, by way of the draft. But, that, I mean, that, that's valid for every team across the league. Thank you so much for that text. I appreciate you. Next up, got a quick call from Crazy Carl in Ohio. He's calling to talk about the linebacker position. Here he is, Crazy Carl calling out of Ohio. Hey, what's up, Q? This is Crazy Carl from Ohio. I just wanted to uh, call and hit on the uh, whole topic of the linebacker issue. In my opinion, the, the linebacker position is, is not as bad as it sounds. Our base package is basically the nickel. We need two linebackers. Little Tim Kwiatkowski. Fill those, maybe you know, put Muse in there. I don't think it's as big of an issue as it seems. We don't run three linebackers as often as as it was in the '90s, you know. So uh, that's all I really had to say. First time caller, long time listener, new booty. We'll talk to you later, bro. There he goes. That's crazy, Carl, out of Ohio, and you bring up a good point. The team is not in base very often. Uh, Morrow was supposed to be a big-time player, though. I mean, he was supposed to be a big-time player, a starter. Muse is the guy that, you know, was just supposed to be the base dude. And so now Tanner Muse is going to be expected to play a bigger role. You know, again, I, as I mentioned before, I don't know what Denzel Perryman, if he's even going to make the team, what he's going to do. Uh, you know, I feel, I feel a little suspect with him, but the, the price was right. The trade wasn't too bad at all, so it was worth the risk, but I just don't know what he's going to bring to the table. There was just a lot of expectations when it came to Nicholas Morrow, and now he's going to be out for quite a while. Javen White was going to be some quality depth. Now he's going to be out for a while. I mean, it's just it all kind of – it just was a snowball or a domino effect, and it was not the kind of effect that you wanted to have. But thank you for your call, man. I do appreciate you. Uh, next up is a text from – Gruesome Raider from SoCal. I said, what up, Q? 
Gruesome Raider here from SoCal. I'm a new booty. So, Q, you can go ahead and hit the music. Love your show. I listen to many Locked On podcasts, but yours is the best. I'm not just saying that because I'm a diehard Raider fan. The fact that you give listeners a forum puts your show a head and shoulders above the others. Like I said, I listen to other Locked On shows just to see what the discussions are going on with other teams. On the Chargers Locked On podcast, the general feeling is that Gus Bradley failed at making second-half adjustments. There will be moments in the season where the opponent's offense is firing on all cylinders and our defense will have to adjust. Is that a real concern? Do we have depth to adjust? What are your thoughts? That's from Gruesome Raider out of SoCal. And uh, that's very valid points. I've heard that multiple times as well. Uh, Gus Bradley, you know, failed to, to make some good second-half adjustments. And we, I think, have talked about even John Gruden making second-half adjustments over his last, uh, you know, three-plus years now with the Raiders, the silver and black. Even going back to the first time he was with the Raiders, always talked about second-half adjustments weren't his strong points. So uh, that's something that Gus Bradley's going to have to work on. And, and no, I don't think that the Raiders have the depth right now. Uh, for injuries and a whole lot of adjustments. You know, they're going to have to hope that the Raiders' offense is a lot better than the Chargers. And that's the one thing. I do believe the Raiders' offense is a lot better than the Chargers. And no, they're not going to be clicking on all cylinders at all times either. But you just hope that it doesn't come together at the same time where the offense isn't clicking and the defense isn't clicking at the same time. Then that's going to be a concern. But I think that the offense will be able to support the defense a lot better and give them a chance to stay off the field and don't have to be on all the time. But when they are out there, they should be able to make some plays. So, yeah, that's definitely a concern and something that the coaching staff has got to really work on to make sure they improve. So thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. Uh, Up next, I got a call from Raider Rich. He's calling out of Carson City, talking about the linebacking core. And he has a solution or a suggestion on what he thinks the team should do. Here he goes. Raider Rich calling out of Carson City. Hey, Q. This is Raider Rich here calling out the 775 Carson City. First time caller. Just finished listening to your Tuesday podcast, man. Got to get in on this linebacker discussion. So what I've been seeing is I need the Raiders to go pick up that man, Reuben Foster. I think he's a real good pickup. I know he has some off-the-field issues, but I think if he could get all that cleared up, man, that would be a real good pickup for us. I like him when all he was at Alabama. I like what he did with the 49ers. I think he could be a real good piece for us. What are your thoughts on it? Love the podcast, man. Have a good day. There he goes, Raider Rich out of Carson City. And I'll tell you, man, Reuben Foster, I was a big fan of his at Alabama's. I mean, one, I, I said it multiple times, I love me some Alabama football. Roll tide. But as far as Reuben Foster goes, I just don't think the Raiders can afford that drama. And that off-the-field drama I'm talking about, uh, I don't think that the Raiders want to go down that role. Of course, they have a strong policy against uh, domestic violence. And, of course, Reuben Foster, a lot of his issues is alleged domestic violence. And uh, I know that the Raiders have made an exception here or there. But I, I just don't think that Reuben Foster, who hasn't, by the way, played in a very long time, uh, has been injured uh, when he was cleared to play. You know, he had a, a season-ending injury. I believe he tore his ACL. Uh, I, I just don't I don't see that as a fit. I, I really don't. I don't think that that's something that the Raiders want to pursue, and I, I don't think that's something that they should pursue. Uh, he's not the solution I was talking about in segment number two, but thank you for the call. I do appreciate it. Uh, next up, I got a text from Sal out the 559. Said, Q, what's up, brother? It's Sal from the 559, baby. Well, we wanted KJ Wright, and we got Denzel Perryman. <laughs> Liked him out of the U. He knows Gus Bradley's system, and hopefully he can help players get in position. I think that's what needed the most is having that quarterback on our defense. Would still love to get KJ Wright and have some depth on depth on depth. Take care, brother, and Raiders. That's from Sal in the 559. And, yeah, I don't know, man. Denzel Perriman, uh, at one point coming out of the U, yeah, he was awesome. 
but he's been banged up quite a bit. Uh, you know, he was banged up in training camp. Uh, of course, the, the Panthers moved on from very quickly after signing him in the offseason. And the one good thing about him is, like you mentioned, he does know Gus Bradley's scheme really well. So he can help guys get lined up and be in the right position and be that, you know, that captain somewhat on defense. Cause similar to what Casey Hayward is, just, uh, you know, helping these guys perform in the scheme like they're supposed to. But I don't think that he's the last move that they need to make. I think they need to make another big move. If it's K.J. Wright, so be it. If it's someone else, so be it. But I think that they still are in the running for another move. May and they might not make anything until that 53-man roster, until they actually put their roster together and all these other teams cut guys. Maybe they go out and find a guy that they've been looking at for a while. Who knows? But uh, I, I just think that that can't be their final move that they make. Thank you so much for that text, my man. I appreciate you. It's good to hear from you. Uh, how about this? Talking about good to hear from. Here's a call from Most Known Unknown. Haven't heard from him in a minute. He's calling to talk about the conversation we had on the show on Wednesday about Derek Carr and Matt Stafford, and he brings up some really good points. Here he is, Most Known Unknown. What's up, Q? It's your boy Most Known. I haven't called in a while, but your Stafford and Carr conversation kind of intrigued me because it exposed something that a lot of us Derek Carr defenders have been talking about for a while. And it's one of the reasons why we go so hard in defending them. And that's the fact that Derek Carr is on the bad end of a lot of bad double standards. What do I mean by that? All right. A lot of people will say uh, Derek Carr is the type of quarterback that has to be protected in order to be successful. And they say that almost as if it's a knock. You ever heard people talk about Derek Carr and how he has to be protected? They almost say it as if that's a bad thing. But doesn't all quarterbacks have to be protected? I mean, look at the great measuring stick Patrick Mahomes and when he wasn't protected. He got his rear end handed to him in the playoff, in the Super Bowl. But nobody's knocking him saying he couldn't do it without protection because that's just the thing. You ha Every quarterback needs protection. Or they'll say, uh, Derek Carr's the type of quarterback you have to build around. You have to put a, put a good team around. He can't carry a team. Isn't that the goal of every organization, to build a good team around a quarterback? But yet they say about him as if it's a knock. He can't carry a team in the way that a Patrick Mahomes can. Well, wait a minute. I've heard people say that. We've never had seen Patrick Mahomes have to carry a team. Since he's come into the league, and again, I'm using him because he seems to be the measuring stick. Since he's come into the league, he's had nothing but the best around him. I mean, I'm not saying he's not a talented quarterback, but for every great throw he makes, let's not forget there's a Tyreek Hill, there's a Travis Kelsey, there's a Miko Hardman, Clyde Edwards Hilaire on the receiving end of that, court, or that, or that pass. So to say that Patrick Mahomes can carry a team, we haven't seen it, so how can we say that? I'll tell you what, let's do an exercise. Replace Patrick Mahomes with, I mean, replace Travis Kelsey with a Clive Wolford. Replace uh, Nicole Hardman and, and Tyreek Hill with a Rod Streeter and a Seth Roberts. Or how about this one? Replace Andy Reid with Todd Downing. And let's see if Patrick Mahomes can carry that. So I say all that to say that there's a lot of double standards that people in the media and fans throw out, and Derek Carr seems to be on the bad end of those double standards. You know, and again, they're already saying he's the third best quarterback in the division. Well, wait a minute. Are we already crowning uh, Justin Herbert after one year? I mean, how'd that work for RG3 and Kaepernick? I mean, I must need to see Justin Herbert do it a little more longer before I just elevate him over Derek Carr. So I think that's why we defend him so hard, because we see the double standards and how he's on the bad end of them. 
Anyway, thanks for the um, hearing me out, and I holler. There he goes, most known unknown. First of all, man, great to hear from you. It's been a minute, but great to hear from you, and you bring us some really good points. And I got to admit, man, I've been guilty of some of those double standards when it comes to Derek Carr, uh, but you mentioned them. You laid it out there really well, and, uh, yeah, I do I do sign up for what you're saying, you know, and I think maybe it took the whole Matt Stafford love fest <laughs> to get me to even realize some of that, but uh, that was really good stuff. It, it really was, and, and it just blows my mind. I think Matt Stafford was, was just, the, like I said, the guy that kind of just made me realize, like, come on, dude. Like, this dude hasn't done anything in his career. He has a lot of potential. Everyone's talked about that, but he's been in the league for a very long time and has done nothing. I mean, really has done nothing for whatever reason it is. And like you say, I mean, you laid it out there perfectly. You know, you put out the weapons that Derek Carr had. Give those weapons to Matt Stafford and see what he would have done with those cats. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So really good stuff, man. Really good stuff. Appreciate you. And it's great to hear from you. Uh, Final text of the show comes from my guy, Mikey the Barber in the 916. I got to get this in before the show's over. He says, Q, what up? It's Mikey the Barber. Just wanted to let you know I just got done kicking COVID right in its ass. I'm doing much better now. I appreciate the shout-out, my man, along with all the work you do for Raider Nation. I wasn't able to watch the two preseason games versus the Lambs since the NFL Network took the game off and played the Dolphins game instead. Lame. Anyway, I'm really excited about this year, man. I'm a bit concerned with our thin linebacking core. Any news on picking up K.J. Wright? We need to do something. Any developments on Divine Diablo? Is he up to snuff to step up and get on the field and contribute anytime soon? Keep up the good work, bro. Stay sucka-ducking. That's from Mikey the Barber in the 916. And first of all, man, it's great to hear that you're feeling a lot better. Uh, Appreciate you. It's always good to hear from you. And there's nothing right now as far as K.J. Wright goes. I still think that that's an area that they should try to address and try to go get him and bring him in. But, you know, right now they got Denzel Perriman, made the trade for him, six-round pick they gave up to get, go to Carolina. They got Perriman and a seventh-round pick in return. It's funny, every time I say uh, Perriman, I think of Brashad. That's, that's Bigfoot. I'm not talking about Bigfoot. I'm talking about Denzel Perriman. Divine Diablo, he's got to really get up to speed quickly, as John Gruden mentioned that you heard that in segment number one. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what they do. Uh, you know, who steps up or if they go and make another move. I think that they need to go make another move, but we'll see what happens. Again, cutdowns come up next week, next Tuesday by 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. They've got to have their roster, like the rest of the league, down to 53 men. So that's all I got for you for today's show. I definitely appreciate all the feedback, calls, texts, tweets, all that good stuff. Uh, coming up tomorrow, we'll have more of that. We'll have more news and notes of the day. Uh, practices going on a little bit later on today. Uh, depending on what time you're listening to this, 10.50 in the morning to 12.45 is when it's open to the media. Uh, I won't be able to stick around for the whole time, so I won't even be in the media session. But I will tell you, defensive coordinator Gus Bradley and offensive coordinator Greg Olson will be talking to the media, and they'll probably be one player as well. So be on the lookout for that. I really wish I could stick around to hear Gus Bradley, but uh, i got to get to the radio station and get some stuff cooking. So uh, I'll be there for practice for a little bit, and then i got to head to the station. So that's about it for me. Appreciate you as always. Rare Nation, stay safe, take care of yourself, and as always, just win, baby.